This is Comictating, the comic book review arm of the Nerdables family of podcasts. Let the nerds take over! Us? Huh? Welcome back, comic book fans, to the latest issue of Comictating. Uh, this week, big week. Uh, two major events, one from DC, one from Marvel, get started this week, and we're going to talk about those towards the end. Ooh. Yeah, we call that a teaser. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, but also, other number ones, lots of Marvel number ones this week. Uh, we've got an image one we're going to tackle as well. But we're going to start with Monsters Unleashed, number one. This spins out from the recent... It's like a mini event. Yeah, it was like a five issue mini event. Yeah, Monsters Unleashed had a couple really, of really fun. It had a couple of little uh, one shots and stuff, but uh, it wasn't like you know Civil War two or any right, of that right. type of stuff. It's kind of the smaller events that they do. Uh, Cullen Bunn writes this issue. David Baldion or Baldion Baldion uh, as the art. Marco Menes does the color. I've noticed this. I just wanted to point this. So VCs Travis Lanham does a letter. So many of these books and letters are like some studio of letters. Right. I can't remember what I read. I read yesterday, the day before, and the lettering is by you know like Kazam Super Studio, and I was like, really? Just you're just doing letters. Oh yeah, they've got uh, uh, Richard Starkings has his own oh, yeah, lettering Richard company. He's been doing well, he was he years. was the superstar before. Yeah, and just before so any many lettering companies. But hey. It's working. It books look good, so can't complain. I'm always surprised that it, I mean, I'm sure it's not done by hand anymore in no, these major no. ones, but yeah, I guess a company would do the digital part of it. Just interesting to have, you know, uh, the, the names that are attached to it. If it is just a company that's doing anything. doing letters, it takes a lot of work to measure yeah. out your panels, know how to fit in your. Yeah, work well, that's balloons. that's probably one of the big things is the the art of lettering is also in in where to put the. Um, the the all word the bubbles yeah the panels and the word bubble speech and the stuff like that so that it doesn't take over all of all of the art there's a story when I saw the uh, Larry Halma got the Inkpot Award a couple of years ago at San Diego so he had his own uh, you know spotlight on panel talk about one of the reasons that he became an editor is he uh, he was doing Iron Fist in the 70s and he drew out I mean he was he was an artist as well and so he had this double page spread of Kun Lu and it was gorgeous he loved it it was one of his favorite pages he ever did gets the comic and all of his art is just words just, just all over everywhere. it just text everywhere and he said one of the reasons he wanted to become an editor is he wanted to make sure that never happened to anybody else yeah yeah so it was kind of one of the reasons that he went into being an editor in, in addition to in addition to his his writing uh, but Monsters Unleashed number one like we said spans out from the Monsters Unleashed mini event we have uh, the young boy who can kid draw kaiju. Monsters, kid kaiju K A W A D E. At some point, I'll actually know how to how to pronounce stuff. Uh, but he's now been tasked by Shield to have this kind of monster group, this kaiju group that he has, of really a, a lot of different designs: a dragon, a couple yeah, of mechs, it's a giant some, uh, praying mantis monster. Yeah, and then uh, there's a. Big electrical monster too. Yeah, I know it's really, really. I, I I thought this book was a lot of fun, and it's good to have you know, especially now that we're getting into the season for lots of big events, and to have something that's you know not really tied into anything yeah. and have a lot of fun. There's a great return of a classic villain at the very, very end. It does have that real classic uh, kind of Marvel feel, especially with those Marvel uh, monster books that you got, the ones that Kirby did for a while too. You know, Fantastic Four had monsters every like couple issues, but yeah. you had stuff like Fing Fang Foom and um, the you know, this came from the idea of Marvel monsters. I mean, there was a reason why there was a Kirby tribute variant for all those different issues. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Balian's art 
again, big and showy, lots of big panels, lots of big ideas, big people, big monsters. Um, Elsa Bloodstone is in it, which is awesome. I always like her. Uh, and the coloring is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Uh, the uh, I I love this this mech, the Aegis Aegis mech. It's a, basically tiger. It's oranges with black stripes oh, yeah. through it, it and the white really underbelly. Good. In fact, yeah. this almost feels like a uh, like a backdoor for an animated series in a weird way. It's got a little bit of that Big Hero Six idea. It does. It does to to to, to me anyway. Um, but yeah, so there's nothing like super important in terms of the Marvel universe as a whole in here, but it very much is monsters fighting monsters I mean, it, it just it, it's so simplistic but in a way it's really good in its simplicity it's really well paced um, yeah They've and it's got a, a kid at the, at, the, at the heart of it this is definitely a book that you can hand to you know a young kid and they're going to enjoy it um because the the star of the show uh the kid kaiju is the, you know he's an 11 year old yeah it's kind of what you know, Marvel did at the time. You know, DC had all those adult heroes, and Marvel's like, well, let's make Spider Man and some of these other, you know, the X Men and yeah, people younger. who were teens are all supposed to be 16 to, to 19 or whatever. The, the age group just above who they were aiming for and books that were, you know, aimed for kids that were like 8 to, to 12. So, Monsters Unleashed number one, it's, it's going to get lost this week as we get towards oh, the yeah. end. Um, but keep your eyes open. It's yeah. really fun. When you go in to get your, your major event books, take a look at this guy. He's got a great cover by Art Adams. Um, you know, just a classic Art Adams design cover with these great he knows monster do, yeah. robot and, hybrid hey, like dragon this weird amphibious monster here. We've yeah, got, that's like, your kind of mantis dude there. And yeah, it's got you know the, the little like water dragon, and again the two mech types. This actually reminds me. The, there's a there's a kind of a female warrior and almost like a mech samurai. It looks like um, the uh, the manga spawn toy that McFarlane put out years ago. As we have a spider that's joined us, go first, little spider, be free. I just actually put you, put him on you. It's like, oh, he's right here. Well, he's coming home with me. I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Sebastian has been infected. Next week, you'll just, you'll just. Sebastian, what are you saying? I am the spider. I am the spider man. Let him bite you. I thought I was gonna get superpowers. I ended up just getting tetanus. It's a much different. You see, oh, what's that that meme that's going around? It's like how to, stuff that like end really early or whatever. So it's it's like a character that would be. I think they had one where it was uh, it was um, they did it for Attack of the Clones, and it was like Count Dooku. What if I told you the Senate was a Sith? Ooh, we should go stop them. The end. The end. <laughs> it was like that was. The I love that stuff. It's just like two panels where it's like, look, as we end this super early. No, I I really, really love that. Oh, my God. I just shared one the other day that had a very, very similar, like, well, that's the end of the movie. Yeah, yep, they it, just it was paid attention. Sort of thing. It was just like, oh, if we just do that, that's the end. If if only the uh, the Americans in the thing spoke, what is it, Norwegian? Yes, to understand their video. <laughs> yeah. The people at the beginning of the movie, uh, or Iron Man's the same way. When if, if you understand Farsi when you're watching Iron Man, they give away the, the ending. The surprise ending is given away in the video. Oh, yeah, it's the Rogue One where it's... Oh, yeah. find the child, find it. There she is inside that rock. I can see Directed by character. <laughs> end of the movie. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. Uh, let's move on with Marvel. We have Nick Fury number one. Not the Nick Fury you knew. Not but the, the Nick classic Fury, Nick Fury. The Nick Fury you know, not the Nick Fury you knew. Uh, however you want to you wanna call it. Um, oh, my goodness. Where do they not have? 
We got our variant covers down here. Where the, is... It's become fascinating to try and decipher yeah. <laughs> to decipher the credits, credits pages in comic books because sometimes at the beginning, sometimes they're at the end. Marvel usually puts it right at the beginning with the thing. And right in the very beginning, they have a list of credits, but they're for all of the variant covers. And of course, the, the last name on the front is Robinson for the writer, and there's a lot of different Robinson writers that are there. I don't see a writer. Do you see a writer? I do not see a writer because they even have like the intro for what the mission is. All right, let's. Uh... Oh wait, there, there we, go. we go. Okay, it is James Robinson. All right, well that makes a lot of sense. Uh, James Robinson as the writer. I, I want to say Aku, uh, Aco A C O as the penciler, and Hugo Petrus as the inker. Um, this of course is the the new Nick Fury. The... It is. It's the son of Nick Fury. Yeah. Son of Nick Fury. The hey, we need to get Samuel Jackson Nick Fury into the Marvel Universe. Right. And then Original Sin erases Nick Fury or removes Nick Fury as he, becomes he dies the on the wall. Yeah. Um so you have a character that is born out of the fact that you know, there was a movie. Yeah. And that movie used Samuel Jackson because in the ultimate universe, Sam Ryan Jackson. Hitch used Sam Jackson as his basis for Nick Fury. Which led to the still the best moment of any Marvel film. You know, when you went to see Iron Man, when you were a, a wee boy, and for someone like me that was following the, the Ultimate Universe and following Ultimates, which was the Avengers team, right. in the Ultimate Universe, you get to that post-credit scene as he turns around. I was just like, "Woo! Yes, that's so awesome!" And my girlfriend at the time looking at me, going, "What the hell what are you talking mean? about? Why is you so excited?" And she knew who kind of she kind of knew who Nick Fury was, but she didn't really understand why having Samuel Jackson play Nick Fury was so important. Because like Brian Hitch used Samuel Jackson as the visual reference for the Nick Fury in the Ultimate Universe, and they gave him that attitude because of Sam Jackson. And now he's in the movie, so that's awesome. That also leads to once they erase the, Mar the the Ultimate Universe, that Nick Fury had to become our Nick Fury to a way with one striking difference. He's always been an agent. He's never been in charge of shit. Right. And it's not even really this, I mean, especially because they're not designing this Nick Fury to look like Sam Jackson specifically versus yeah. the Ultimate Universe, who is now gone. So when they brought the 616's Nick Fury son into the mix... Yeah. As a being the son he never knew he had, and all the only that. thing that came out of what was it, Battleground or something like yes, Battle Scars, yeah. whatever that right. was. There's all these like small events that nobody remembers that have huge repercussions. Like Original Sin, uh, Nick Fury it becomes the Watcher, and Thor loses his hammer. Assault on Pleasant Hill, the Cosmic Cube turns Cap into a Nazi, right? Or Hydra agent, whatever you want to call it. And then this little battle scars one that nobody touched was the introduction of the fact that Nick Fury had sired this child with a with essentially an, a Foxy Brown yeah, style uh, yeah, secret agent like in the 1970s, and they also they also introduced uh, what the the Agent Coulson into the 616, and he just kind of disappeared. The Agent Coulson, yeah, was like in Secret Avengers or something, right? Um, and he was in. I think they introduced him in Battle Scars. At, I believe the, he was. Well, no, Cheese. yeah, they called him Cheese. And then eventually, I don't even think it was in Battle Scars. They had, and they admitted that his name was Agent Coulson. Right. And so Coulson has been in some others. He's in. Um, oh, I want to say, is it Nick Spencer did that that great run of Secret Avengers? I want to say it's Nick Spencer. It might have been the Nick Spencer. It's either Nick Sp Spencer or Nathan Edmondson. Like that last run of Secret Avengers, which was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And that Nick Fury is in there as well. But the Agent Coulson is is super in, and he's been in a couple other places now. He's in. Uh, he was in Karnak. Yes, uh, he yeah. was the one who was the liaison to to Karnak. Uh, but Nick Fury number one. So the first thing that stands out with you is Aiko's art is 
riffing on the old Storenko stuff. It is. I mean, just huge spreads with lots of crazy panel work, lots, lots of, of crazy art, colors, lots of, yeah, lots of pop art. It's a good way yeah. of talking about it. Backgrounds are in hot pink. Yes. You know, you got the explosion, the boom is in like a 1970s font, stars all over the place. Um, as you said, it was a quick read. It was a very quick read. Once you get past that opening story salvo, it's basically nonstop action with a few pieces of text here and there. Yeah, so reading it in terms of text is very quick. You'll want to go back and look at it again. Yeah, because there is so things. much going on in terms of the art. This is actually a book that I had no interest in. I've never been a huge fan of this Nick Fury because of the way that he started. Right. He's never really connected with me. I right. love the, and we the design had for Hydra. A, uh, yes, Hydra's design in this for Madame Hydra uh, is yeah, absolutely Adrian, fan- Yeah, well, she's not Madame Hydra. Not Hydra, but Madame yes. Hydra. But she's, and the fact that she's got the classic Starenko pistol. Pistol, right. She's supposed to be sort of that connection to like a Madame Hydra. She's yeah, got like the green female, eyeshadow. Yeah, she's got the viper look Yes, yeah. to it. And we had talked about a little bit about like what has sort of been the role of this version of Nick Fury. The original Nick Fury... Started out as just a, you know, as basically just a soldier in World War II. Stranko took him and basically turned him, or as Stranko said, you know, we sort of, he's sort of like a James Bond for the Marvel Universe. Yeah, in a way, like, the, the Fury, he was the soldier, and then he was the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., didn't really do anything. Right. And it seemed like Stranko kind of put him back on that solo mission. Yeah. He was like James Bond, like Captain America as if it was a James Bond book. Yes. It, well, or as Stranko tells, he basically turned Nick Fury into himself. Yeah. And if you if you enjoy Stranko's art or know nothing about Stranko, I do recommend you look into him a little bit. He's a guy who, is, I guess you would say, is James Bond. He's the Renaissance man. He used to be art director at uh, at a ad agency in New York. He was a boxer. He was a magician. He was an escape artist. He was a musician. So he's basically uh, he's basically Nick Fury. And I even uh, asked him at uh, San Diego Comic Con two years ago about that and he even said I gave him my car I gave him my clothes I gave him my tailor I gave him my apartment I gave him my women so he basically (laughs) inserted himself into the Marvel Universe through Nick Fury much in the same way Ian Fleming inserted himself into the fictional post-war era with James Bond so that's what we've we've sort of tried to figure out what is the place for the new Nick Fury He's again, like you said, he's always been an agent, but he's sort of been in and out of the books here and there, making an appearance. But I, I, I want this book, and I think they've done a good job, sort of setting that up, to give him a larger role in the Marvel universe. Yeah, they're treating him like a super agent. I mean, it's yes. it's the, the lone wolf super agent kind of thing of doing the shield work, and they've done this with characters like Hawkeye or Black Widow, especially. Um, this is sort of like the Black Widow book in a way when she's still working for S.H.I.E.L.D. It has this same kind of feel where it's they send Natasha in to do the things that nobody else could do in terms of, you know, it's a S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, mission, but it's a S.H.I.E.L.D. mission where people don't want to know it's a S.H.I.E.L.D. mission or, or whatever. They don't want people to know it's a S.H.I.E.L.D. mission. So we've got a lot of that. But it's just, the art in this is so incredible. I mean, it's worth it just for that. I mean, just flipping through it to to go through and like the, the movement is incredible. Like just that psychedelic kind of push to it. Just huge. Oh, yeah. Flying cars and flying boats and gunfire and explosions and parachutes and craziness. So it's a book that, I, like I said, I didn't really, I was like, eh, who cares? But you you can't help but be blown away by the way that it looks. Oh, yeah. The the way the book is structured is beautiful. The art's beautiful. And I'm hoping that they do more to give this uh, version of Nick Fury, Nick Fury Jr., uh, a 
a bigger character at least somebody who you know yeah. has a voice of his own especially when it's got a little bit in, in secret avengers if, reading that last yeah avengers. if you read the last two the, the, the two series of secret avengers which i think were done by different writers um uh the, the last two that they had gave that bit because he's a big part of this team right. that maria is a part of and that a number of characters that, that people didn't really know about and some new new ones and you know, Pod was a part of it and stuff like yeah. that. A lot it's of stuff that tough. ended up on New Avengers, like two of the characters on New Avengers were Secret Avengers. So Yeah, it's also tough when the Nick Fury that this version is based on is based on Sam Jackson and they have sort of distanced themselves because the ultimate universe Nick Fury was Sam Jackson, Nick Fury, and this isn't. So yeah. it's kind of hard, especially if you've got people coming off the movies who are looking to pick up a similar version of Nick Fury. This isn't that guy. But I do like that. I think it's on, close enough. It's got a little bit of that attitude of that, guess, that cockiness is in there. Yeah, but I'm happy that with this book they're going to give I mean, him cursing, a distinct but... voice. <laughs> he's a, he's not cursing like Sam Jackson. He's not talking about snakes on a plane, a mother loving plane. Uh, let's leave Marvel for just a little bit. Just we'll a, get just back a, to just a moment. moment. Yeah, just a little bit. And we're going to go to Image Comics Redneck number one. Uh, Donny Cates doing the writing. Lissandro Estherin doing the art. DeConnef doing, is it the inks or the colors? I can't remember. It was in there. Part of the art team. We'll put it that way. There it was. Colors. That's what it was. Yeah. Lissandro Estherin did, did the art for it. Uh, a book that I really didn't look into too much, so I didn't really know what it was about. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised. It starts... starts uh, so many of these books, these image books that we get into now... The first page is something violent. Like there's yes. something bad in the first page. There's another book we didn't we didn't cover uh, called Plastic. The same thing. Like the first page is got this scene of not hyper violence, but it was just like, oh, that's gross. Um, well, even on the front cover, there's a there's well, yeah, the front cover is got to. It's clearly a vampire eating the meat off of somebody's See, bones. The, the design is really nice because the vampire teeth don't jump out at you. Not like, right even away. Just yeah, when I first saw it, I didn't really make that connection. So when they're revealed fairly early that you kind of figure out that they're they've been around for a long time. They've got a lot of those classic tropes of vampires. They're hiding They're They've been around forever. Right. You know, he says that the, the character that's narrating it said he was born at the same the same month as um, uh, was it the Alamo, I think. I believe it was uh, same year, same month. The Texas declared independence from Mexico. Uh, but it's obviously it's set in a, in a modern time frame. You obviously get the teeth. In like the second page or whatever, right? And um, even the narration goes along with, at least within this family of vampires, never wanted any trouble. Yeah, at Very least trying, to trying to people. stay out of trouble. We know something bad happened at some point. Yes. You do mention someone who's gone. So the the kids, as they want to do, go into town. The you know the the the, the good uncle or whatever the narrator goes, oh, okay, I'm gonna go and and make sure they stay out of trouble. And of course they don't. And the the town heavy. The, the preacher comes in and then who is well aware of what they are yeah he's one of, he's he's one of the few people that knows uh, that this family is a family of vampires and they've been kind of like it's almost a cold war between them they know they're not going to really mess with each other but obviously generations change and something happens here that kind of sets everything off yeah there's 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 a feud going on in this there's book. them they're a feud yeah they, they they've got themselves they're a feud i really really like the book uh yeah I, I like that it's it doesn't feel like the average vampire story no they're setting up for a tale of revenge and i do enjoy very much that it's like look we're vampires but we're not all bad we're just 
having a life on a farm. We want to stay quiet. You yeah, know? they've been they've been drinking cow blood and what is it? It's like paint thinner or something. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was like paint thinner that they had in there. But the kids, you know, like they said, they're teenagers. They're sixty. Well, those those are teenagers. Those teenagers for vampires. Yeah. yeah. For, for vampires that, that's teenagers um all the books and image are always colored really well yeah you know most of it takes place at night there's so the tone really in. well yeah the, the, the club is a different different color that they end up with and then you know the next day you've got a lot of daylight in it um yeah it's, it's not a book it's not a classic vampire tale but it has some of those tropes so it kind of plays with those idea even the title redneck you know you're thinking oh southern hill but also right. thinking, redneck is when you bite the neck it's gonna be yeah. red because there's blood on it so um, oh, I like that. And this is also from the uh, one is awesome. yeah, the second cover is beautiful, beautiful artwork. Church style, yeah. And this is from uh, uh, Robert Kirkman's Skybound imprint as well. Oh yes, it is. That's right. There it so, is. So expect a TV show. That's true. He does seem to sell them all, doesn't he? Uh, so yeah. Uh, so I, like I think to... there's there's a, there's a couple of um, there's a couple of independent number ones this week, but that was the one we wanted to do because that one seemed the most intriguing. It's got a nice slow pace to it. The characters yeah, are really good well enough. developed. It's, yeah, there's good, there's good dialogue. You can try to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um, the overarch for it uh, really works as well. So Redneck number one, much like Nick Fury, ones that I don't think we were expecting to really enjoy. I mean, really, I picked these five, and I'm like, well, we're probably going to do three of them because I got a feeling we're not going to like one or two of them. But we ended up with all five of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the fourth book of our five starts the one of the two big events that starts this week. We have Secret Empire number zero from Marvel Comics. Uh, Nick Spencer doing the writing. Daniel Acuna doing the art. Rod Reese doing... He's got to be doing the lettering because, if I remember right, Acuna does his own inks because it's all... Is it all digital now? Well, it's all painted at least. I don't know if Acuna's all straight digital. Oh, he did the prologue. That's what it was. Oh, good. Ah, you know what that is? He did a good job of doing... Akuna without doing Akuna. Yeah, yeah. It's actually really good. It's all painted. Um, this is Captain Nazi uh, from the events all the way back in Salt on Pleasant Hill and what we've been following with the Captain America book that came out after it as he was de- spoiler de-aged. Alert. Yeah, spoiler he, alert. He's de-aged. He's a Nazi now. He's, um, he's a uh, Hydra agent. Well, Red Skull uses the, the, sentient, the sentient version of the Cosmic Cube to rewrite Cap's history. And just Cap's history, where nobody knows except people in Hydra, that Cap is an agent of Hydra. And he's been planning this out for a while. We've seen some of the changes um, in terms of how he's manipulating people. And Secret Empire Zero is the first salvo. This is where he manipulates these different pieces all together. The Chitauri invasion is here, the one that we talked about when we did Captain Marvel Zero that we had no idea was coming. Right, the Uh, one that they've sort of been setting up slowly for. Yeah, in in books that apparently we're not reading. Yes. Uh, (laughs) We read the first issue of that and... Yeah, we're like, what what shield is he talking about? What are talking about? about? The Chitauri are coming. Where was this? Wasn't this the Infinity Wave from a little while? What is going on? Is this Annihilation? Yeah, and then, oh... Okay. That is one thing. In terms, in terms of people want to talk about tropes that are reused over and over again. We had the Annihilation Wave. Right. And then we had the Infinity Wave of, of you know, a bunch of aliens, aliens working together in. that were coming. And now we have the Chitauri invasion. Right. Uh, instead of just a single wormhole that you could kind of, you know, we're just, you know, just stand here and shoot the wormhole and everything will be okay. It's the real force that, it's as coming. they said, is planets long right. uh, to get there. The, a few visual callbacks to the Avengers film. Yeah. They have the space whale few? lizards. <laughs> a few? A few. Just yeah, a few. Yeah, they have a super cricket. Just a, just a pinch. Just so a the whale cricket. The cricket whale. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's there's a lot going on in this book, yeah, as there should it's be. It's a double-sized it is a issue. Yeah, it's a double-sized issue. There's a lot that Cap has done to get these pieces into these spots. Right. Recently, Cap was named the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mark Brooks' badass cover. Oh, yeah, Mark Brooks' cover is amazing. Um, Steve Rogers gets appointed the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. after what, ironically, is the fallout from Pleasant Hill, where Maria Hill is removed as the, as the, the director. Head. Yeah. Uh, so Cap's been able to use all of these different pieces to put this together. So we've got all these characters in different places. Uh, there's a, an attack on New York, which is all the villains that were in Pleasant Hill. And we have Hydra in Sokovia, which all of a sudden has become a big name in it's the Marvel a, yeah, Universe it, for some reason. I wonder why. I wonder. something, I guess. I do love Cap Shield. It's in one of those. Uh, it's in the Hawkeye Shield. It's in the Marvel Tsum Tsum game Marvel for Tsum Tsum. iOS and Android, right? Yeah, I was flipping through Amazing Spider-Man 25, and there's a Tsum Tsum story in it, and it says more Tsum Tsums coming soon. <laughs> I just cracked up. Those Tsum Tsum stories are hilarious. See? If you've got a little kid and they know, they'll know what Tsum Tsums are. You may not. Tsum Tsum! But if you've been to a Disney and store. And they're not to some some. They're not to some some. To some some. To Tsum Tsum. Tsum Stacks, stacks. Stacks, stacks. Stacks uh, on stacks on stacks. They're adorable, but they actually do have uh, Marvel Comics for the Tsum Tsums line. So if you are looking yeah. for something for your little There's kid, they'll know what they are. They will love that. So each piece is, is you know, there's something specific in each one as Cap is manipulating all these pieces to try to take some of this stuff off the board before he yes. announces, I'm a member of Hydra. I'm doing this for the good of the world. I need to do this. I'm going to yeah. take over. And they do set that up really well, too. I was very surprised that, especially when you're reading the book, uh, Nick Spencer and Daniel Kuna do a really good job of treating the way that the different pieces of the trap fall together uh, as kind of like little act breaks. Like, okay, the first piece has been triggered. We have a little bit of a lull that builds up to the second piece. And then that piece comes down and then we move on through the book. And then you get the big reveal at the end. Really, really nicely done, especially for a double-sized issue. I didn't feel like uh, the book was overly long. They they paced it out really well. And Kuna's art's very good, too. What, oh, yeah. what helps with this is we've kind of known this is coming now for over a year. Yes. Uh, as the Cap book kind of... We knew from the moment that Nick Spencer started that Captain America number one with the end of Hail Hydra and then number two and he explained what happened, that this is where we were going. And the the joy of this is going to be to figure out how do they save Cap? How do they save the Marvel U? How do they save Earth um, uh, from from evil Cap? Uh, but in terms of knowing where we're going and you still enjoy getting there is always a sign of something that is pretty good. Where yeah. you're not just flipping pages going, come on, just just announce it already. Let everybody figure out he's an agent. Let him, come on, where's the point where Sharon figures out? Come on, right. come on, come on, come on, come on. It wasn't that at all. It was like uh, uh, those pieces were being put in so well, and the, the narration, which comes not from Cap, but from somebody else who's talking about Cap, you know, almost in a um, in a past tense, I think really works out as well, where you, you're getting little insights into it. It reminds me a little of, um, you always talk about uh, Black Science Number 1 by Remender, where the, the straightforward story is character is at point A, kids are at point B, go. But the narration around it, the omniscient narration around it, is is alluding to something bigger that's going yeah, on. Kind yeah. of the same thing here. You're getting the, the pieces of the fighting and the shield and, and, and the Hydra and the, the supervillains. But there's a character in an omniscient narrator, not omniscient, um, but... Uh, an unseen. An unseen narrator 
that gives some weight to everything that's going on as as we get to this all but inevitable conclusion but it's fun getting there and then we'll figure out where we go from there oh, yeah. there's not a lot of heroes left no and the um, guessing game begins who is narrating the book yeah uh if you haven't been following the marvel universe as a whole it does explain what's been happening especially with cap the prologue in, in the beginning is kind of him in i think it's, japan. Say it's world war ii yeah it's japan yeah. and just after world war ii in 1945 and he kind of gets a clue as to what hydra is and how it got started and where he's going in terms of you know telling him that you're going to see the people around you are going to tell you that you have a different history than what you have but don't believe them because right. this is the history this is the truth they're going to try to manipulate you they're going to try and it is the truth because they altered history to do yeah, it yeah because they altered the history to do it so uh it's it's an intriguing concept it's an intriguing book it's done really well it's going to be exciting to see where they go from there uh, as we go into the actual Secret Empire, which hopefully completes on time. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Can't can't do another nine-month Yeah, with two-month delays in yeah, between some issues. Um, yeah, this is their big thing. And so this is something – and for something that started with so much hate and, you know, I'm never going to read Marvel again. Sure. Uh, it seems to have people excited. A lot of people have been talking about Secret Empire. It's intriguing, yeah. and it's it's. But it is also. I mean, part of that is also the curse of you know being if you're a comic fan and you're a consistent reader, or even if you're somebody who enjoys uh, the characters. It's a lot of that. I want something different. Oh no, you've done something a little too different. Yeah, we talked about that on on Nerdables. Well, I guess last last week now, uh, because we were talking about it in terms of what was going on with Marvel and the comments from David Gabriel and stuff. And I mentioned that too. That's one of those things. Like, I want something different. I want something new. I want something different. Here's something new and different. I don't want that. When people are not fans who are reading books, are not admitting to themselves that they want the same kind of 12 books over and over again sure sure the old the old adage there's only four x-men stories right just told differently um because every time you did the fifth one everyone went insane whoa, like, that's wait, not whoa, an x-men whoa, whoa, story hey wait a second guys let's pull back yeah very you know when it, when it got very different when someone like grant morrison comes on and does something very different and it's successful but when you really break it down you look at it and go that's the same thing that claremont was yeah. doing um so, so when you do something very different and we knew from the beginning there was no way that Marvel is going to allow Steve Rogers to be a Hydra agent, agent in for... 2065. You know, right. it's going to be a couple of years and we'll figure it out. And the cosmic cube still exists. Yeah. It's things still can out be there. there are... um, I mean, I think there's a hint in here. I think where, where it's a fictional world. Things can change. Koblik or whatever, whatever went to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good start. Uh, it's a good issue for people that were kind of worried um, about it starting off. Not so great. And, and we'll see where it goes. And it's kind of like it's Nick Spencer's turn. He's been doing this for a while now. It'll be interesting to see where he goes with this. And uh, he got the right artist for the first one. I love Daniel Lacuna's art. It's, it's definitely, you know, it's just it's just different enough that it's very unique. Um, but it doesn't, it's not like so crazy that it's not a comic book artist. Right, you know? right. It's not someone who's going to blow you and just go like blow you out of the water going, I don't know what this is. I don't even know how to process this art. Uh, it's it's classic Beautiful. enough, yeah, but yeah. it's also really, really well done. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. It was like the little Marvel always has those oh, boxes the, of, yeah. Yeah, the players and the... Dramatis Personae. Yeah. Alpha Flight Space Station, New York City, B. And the guy gives you a hint, too. You can look through and go, oh, yeah. Oh, he's going to be in it. Oh, she's going to be in it. It's going to be cool. Um, for that event, there's an event that got even more press early in the year. 
and that comes from DC. We have I've been waiting. The I'm button. So happy. The button. The button. The crossover between Batman and Flash issues 21 and 22 of both, uh, it, both series, all have the shiny. It's an awesome lenticular cover, and I say awesome because I think this lenticular cover, the process done to do it, is far better than when they did the uh, the villain month covers where the lenticulars were really stiff they were like a hard plastic well yeah it was on it was on a plate basically yeah. and this is yeah it's a, it's a fun the cynic part of me says this is a lot cheaper it's a lot cheaper to do it this way um but it still works the, you still get the same effect we find out right on the cover that wally west is batman that's the big reveal uh well oh wait no it's not um the the cover switch switches between uh batman and, and, and barry. flash and barry not barry as i said wally west um He's talking to Wally in here, isn't he? He mentions Wally. In the book, he specifically mentions... So, if you've been Doesn't following along in, in in that original book, uh, when they first did the whole entire of DC Rebirth, Flash and Batman find the Watchmen... Uh, from the Watchmen, they, they've got the comedian's smiley face button with the blood stain. Spoiler! Spoiler alert. Uh, in fact, it's hard to get away from the spoiler since the button is on the cover. <gasps> How dare you! But... Wait, is this supposed to be Derry or is this supposed to be... It's, it's Barry, because they specifically mention uh, when he calls Barry that the button itself is starting to emit a weird radiation, but he calls it the button that they found when Wally West returned. So, cave after Wally, oh, there it is. Yeah. yeah, the bloody button we found in the cave after Wally re- appeared. Okay, because Wally had a big thing to do with it. Was when he yes, okay, so okay. whatever happened, some speed force shenanigans ripped the button from either the Watchmen universe or... There's been a lot of theories being thrown around that if you read the before Watchmen story, that uh, that they connected the idea of Doctor Manhattan going out to create a new world, a new universe for himself, uh, which had a panel that matches the interpretation that the DC universe has always had for the creation of the universe in the original Green Lantern stories. If you were to go far enough back in time, you would see a blue hand holding the universe the in its palm jerks yeah the guardians they go back in time a lot they like to witness things the, the one like, thing, hey look we made it we we're blue that's blue we made the we made the whole world so did dr manhattan create the dc universe not important for this story they are they're treating this as if you had never read the watchmen at all right but it is it but it's the next step of what's happened there we've waiting almost a year for this um and it's really good. Yeah, we have Tom King doing the doing the writing with Jason Fabok doing the art. Jason Fabok's come a long way from when he first started. He's he's a perennial Batman artist now. Um, he's done a lot of the detective work, the detective comics work, not just detective work. He's a detective. Um, let's get a detective agent. Let's get to the crux. There's, there's one thing that's completely wrong with this. We part. have to. We have. We do have to discuss this. I'm sorry. Yeah. So the the story opens with the inmates at Arkham Asylum watching a hockey game between the Gotham Blades and the Metropolis Mammoths, and it's said that it's a Western Conference final. Makes no sense. Makes no sense because I'll buy that Metropolis could be in the West because Metropolis to me was always Chicago, kind of on the Great Lakes, a Midwestern right. city. It's the, it's the big city of, of Smallville. You, know, you have Smallville in Kansas, the hometown farmland, and then the big city, which is down the street sort of thing. Chicago is in the Western Conference in the NHL. That's fine. Gotham to me has always been New York. On the waterfront, on it, there's so much. Almost every issue of Batman is him breaking up some shipment. You know, it's got to stop the shipment sure. coming into the harbor. That's not coming in on a city in the Midwest, off of the Mississippi. Not happening. 
It's an East Coast thing. There's no way they're in the Western Conference. If they had just made it a conference, it used to be many years ago, 1993, the Kings played the Toronto Maple Leafs in the conference finals because the conferences were the the Campbell and the Smythe, and they were made up of teams from all over. There weren't enough teams in the West to make a Western Conference and Eastern Conference. If you did that, there'd be five teams in the West and 15 in the, in the East. Right. And for me, I've always had a verse. I always saw Metropolis as like the New York City, and I've always seen Gotham City as the Chicago, and they even used Chicago for the Chris Nolan Batman They used movies. Chicago for the Chris Nolan Batman movies, and it always had a different look to me because it seems so much cleaner than the way they've always, always done. portrayed, yeah. Yeah, because Gotham was always an island. Yes. I mean, that's the, the only yeah, way that, that like no Manhattan. man's... Yeah, no man's... It, it always Manhattan to me, like if you took Brooklyn the old Brooklyn before it became the Brooklyn that it is now you took Brooklyn or the Bronx and you put it on Manhattan right because you couldn't do no man's land without you it couldn't do because, it no. yeah you've got to no, blow absolutely. up all the bridges and stuff like that so to me if Gotham you... has always been the New York City the New York City counterpart just like I mean Star City is Seattle yes by far and it always bugged me now when they're like oh Green Arrow was in Seattle and now he's moving to Star City it was supposed to be the same city. Right. Like, Seattle shouldn't exist in the DC. And even when you get, you know, things like the Teen Titans, they're in San Francisco. That's yeah. actually one of the few real world cities that even, exist. Even early that they did. I mean, even LA was what, National City or something like that, uh, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. So they've had those different pieces that they put in. To have the book open with Metropolis versus Gotham in, in the Western, Western Conference, Conference Finals. This is wrong. Immediately, the this first page, and, and we both said it, we're like, let's tweet Jeff. We got we to we Jeff, we what are you, what are you doing? To? You gotta, you gotta get, you gotta get Tom King. You gotta re- rein that in, man. Because come on, you can't do that. They can't both be on the West Coast. It I, just pops re- you right out of the book. I, I refuse. Gotham City can't be in the Western Conference. I, I can't. can't suspend my disbelief. Because it can't be, it can't be a Western Coastal town because there's snow. In a story with uh, a, a lot of snow and a man dressed as a bat, I can't, yeah. I can't accept this. I've told you the story. It's about the most my, unrealistic thing in the whole entirety of the book. My community college uh, movie psychology class with Star Trek Four. Okay. So we're in the, we're in the class, and it was basically we, we we did genres of movie, but we also did psychology as as yeah. related to the movies. So the sci-fi genre was Star Trek IV, uh, the Voyage Home. It's a great. It's probably yeah. one of the easily one of the best. So our instructor, professor, was telling the story that a few years ago. In Star Trek IV, they're in San Francisco. The aquarium is the San Francisco Aquarium, but it was shot at the Monterey Aquarium. Right. Uh, and Monterey Aquarium does not have any facility that's big enough to hold a humpback whale. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, there no, are, no, Nothing on Earth can hold a humpback yeah, whale. The, the, there's only one place in the United States that could come close, and that would be the Georgia Aquarium, because they have whale sharks. Yeah, but that's they do? They do. Wow, that's crazy. That's the only place that I could ever see that happening. Georgia now. Um, but, but anyway. Not in San Francisco. Yeah, so, so San Francisco, they just, it's a stand-in. Yeah. And it's also fictional. Th- yeah, so there's a there was a young lady in the class, again, this is a couple of years before I took the class, that could not get over the fact that that was not the San Francisco Aquarium. In discussion, she's just it's but that's not San Francisco, that's Monterey. Right? right. But but they're just shooting it at the Monterey Aquarium. No, I've been to the Monterey Aquarium. That's the Monterey Aquarium. Yeah, yeah, that's not a, San Francisco. But it's just it's just a set treated as a set. It's just but it's not. It's and finally she says, "You're watching a movie in which they go back in time by slingshotting around the sun and your problem is that the set for the San Francisco Aquarium is the real Monterey Aquarium." Right. Like that's what you're bugged that's by. That's the that's that's yeah. And if you couldn't tell before our our are jesting about uh, yes. the location of Metropolis and uh, Gotham City. It's one of those stupid nerd things. It's that one hits of those you. nerd things that just like wait, what? When we saw Mikey and I saw the second Charlie's Angels movies because we're idiots, and there's the scene where Demi Moore's character like jumps on a on a light string and then gets into the car, swings into the car Tarzan style. Mikey had such a problem with that 
because it's the, the string shouldn't be straight as she's coming down. It would have just been... And so he's like, oh, that's so stupid. I'm like, now you have a problem with well, it? Yeah. And, they the, jumpstart a helicopter in free fall. And instead yeah. of going, you know, just <laughs> sideways, they somehow got it. Oh, it's hilarious. So, yes. So getting past that, once we got past Once you get that, past, uh, once you get past the, the, the frightening error of yeah. both Metropolis and Gotham City. Being We're hoping that's coast. fixed in the later editions. When it's collected, it'll be the Eastern Conference Eastern final. Conference Finals or a digitally. Uh, somebody needs yeah. to go back, like put out a press release. We gotta, we gotta, we, gotta we altered it. the book digitally. We altered the book for, for Sebastian and Chris. Uh, so within the book, this takes place in real time, and there's a character in Arkham. It does look like Harley. It does look like her. At least that's the assumption I immediately made. The only thing that I'd say it wasn't is they don't give her the the pigtails. They don't give her the right. Double tails. She's just got a ponytail. Uh, yeah, she doesn't have. None so of the not exactly sure who the character tags. is. The one thing I will say is I know the issues just before this in terms of Batman take place in Arkham in which he's fighting Bane um, and Bane's after the Psycho Pirate which plays a part in this as well because yes. the mask is there you don't ha- absolutely have to read them uh, I read like the beginning of them still I haven't read 19 and 20 yet um, so I don't know I imagine somewhere within 19 or 20 we'll get how Batman ends up with the Psycho Pirate mask it's in his it's in his cave in this issue um, a long standing history of uh, Psycho Pirate being connected Two changes in history as yes, well. Yes, the Psycho Pirate was that's revealed after a crisis that he was the only person or one of the only people yeah. in the modern DCU at the time that was not a multiverse that remembered there was a multiverse. Right. It plays a huge role later. Yeah, with characters like Power Girl, who yeah. they had altered her origin after over Crisis and on over and over yeah, and over and like, over and over again. Like some Atlantean, you know, princess yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, and then she was a different alien, and then she right. was an alien from And then this, he's and... the person who reminds you, like, oh, no, you came from Earth, too. Yeah. And like, okay, what Earth the hell two is, is Earth two. Earth what are you two? talking about? And then that's how they rebuilt a lot of the Earth two stuff. Yeah. So we have a harken back to Flashpoint in here as well. Basically, the Psycho Pirate mask and the button interact, and then a whole bunch of stuff happens. I don't even want to talk about what happens. I don't want anybody listening there's, to this Wednesday yeah, morning. A lot going and in going. Here. Oh yeah, cool. Uh, great, you ruined the book. Um, so we'll talk about it in just general terms. Again, Faybox art. Beautiful. Really, really done. I mean, if, if you've been reading Detective, he's been doing some of the fill-ins for Detective. He did Detective Comics in the New 52. Someone who's come a long way. He's done a lot of Batman stuff for it. Um, obviously, Barry's in the book, so it does have a speedster vibe to it. You don't get what I think people probably wanted to see right at the beginning. There's not as much of answering any questions you may have. It's more mysteries in terms of what happens. What happens with the button? What happens with the mask? Right. What happens with the characters that show up? Right. Uh, um, we do have, I mean, and they've given it away, Reverse Flash plays a role in this series as well because he's another speedster who's hopping through time. In fact, in this book, callbacks to Watchmen with the panel structure during the countdown sequence where they yeah. do the nine panels, the three rows yeah. of three Don't give panels. up too much. I mean, we, we, no, want this... people to, we want people to come and, and, and check it out. But this is... Do the crazy. Yeah, no, it's really well done. Really it's, nice. it's done from design from start to finish. Again, I mean, the, the lenticular cover that everybody loves, uh, all of them will have lenticular covers. Uh, but it, it's it it's lived up to what I think people were waiting for. Much like Secret Empire did the same thing. I think it's what people were waiting for, and and they got it. We've got the same thing here. I always love when they do these lenticular covers, though, because the back, the ad on the back is lenticular, too. So the Teen Titans Judas Contract DVD is like 3D on the back. Yes. <laughs> it's always fun. Blu-ray includes digital HD with ultraviolet. Brought to you by Teen Titans Judas Country. 
Void where prohibited. Void where prohibited. Um, so yeah, this is kind of what people have been waiting for. I don't think it disappoints at all. Um, yeah, I, it's a good structure. There's just enough in terms of questions. Yes, you know, they're not going to answer anything in the first issue. Right. right? It's, there's Hopefully, a, by the end, we get some the, the next answer that leads to the next question. Right. Right. And there's so many questions. That, yeah, there were so many questions that came out of DC Universe Rebirth in terms of what the connection to Watchmen and, and really what what was the DC New 52. There's been hints right. here and there. Yeah, Wally things, uh, plays a big part. We sit Superman. in what was it, Teen Titans. Yes. There's a there's a spot in Teen Titans where Clark remembers who Wally is. Wally goes, wait a minute. Wait, Runs after him. Is like, how do you know who I am? How do you know who I am? And, I, and it, it, they made a big deal out of it because for people to remember who Wally was and the history that he's attached to, he has to physically interact with them. And he just rushes by Superman. And Superman just says, hey, Wally. Wait a minute, what? Yeah, he says, good job, Wally, as good he job, leaves Wally. after they, there's a fight in Manhattan. Because they're in Manhattan. Why are they in Manhattan? Stop using real cities. DC, you spent so many years making sure that all of your cities... Because you could do whatever you want to them. It's hard right. to, you know... Um, and we still have the mystery of who exactly was Superman and Lois Lane. Because they're yeah. both gone. But there's still a Clark Kent that is separate from our Clark Kent. Yeah, there's some pieces that you've got in other yeah, places. There's... And I don't know if there will be too much with that here. Um, the book is is a pretty good action piece as we get oh, yeah. into the middle of it. Uh, you know, don't want to do a book without some fighting, right? Um, as Stan Lee said, all Martin Goodman wanted was them just fighting. Didn't want any characterization. Uh, but yeah, that's... It's easy. It would have been hard to come on the show and like, well, Batman 21 came out, first issue of the button, it blows. You don't want to touch it. You know, I'm sure there's going to be cynics that'll say that, but it, it definitely... It's something you've been waiting for. I don't think it'll disappoint um, and it'll definitely make you... But what's your appetite for more? Right. Oh, yeah. uh, definitely, definitely. The book was, again, like, uh, it wasn't a double-sized issue like uh, Secret Empire was, but it definitely was really well-paced. And it was a book that I got through just like, I didn't even realize how fast I had burned through the book that I went back and read it a second time. I had done it so quickly. And you pick up on all those little details. Yeah, but, like Western Conference Finals. Like Western Conference Finals. That was the first thing. I just turned that page. Yeah, was, I, and I, I read that. And said, I read it the what? first thing this morning, and I went, wait, what? That's not no. Says so the takeaway is is Gotham City and Metropolis are not on the West Coast. How dare you? Yeah, that was that was it. There you go. <laughs> that's uh that that's all. That was the big takeaway from the book. Oh, yeah. and uh, something about Watchmen and yeah, uh, there's a button Batman and the Flash or something for some reason. Whatever. And, uh, Western it, Conference Finals. Finals makes no sense. Gotham City should not be in the that, Western. Was, was that what the button did? The button changed. The button history? changed. It moved Gotham from the East Coast to the West. Coast. It, well, it can't be West Coast. There's still snow. There's still snow. Well, I mean, and it's not. Oh, Mister Freeze just makes it snow every winter. That's not going to happen. Come on. Is that what that is? He... No. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Uh, but yeah, so that's going to wrap it up for this week. I'm sure next week we'll get into a number of other books. We can talk about the second part of um, the second part of the button as Flash 21 comes out next yeah. week. Yeah, it's four really parts, good. like right right into for Free Comic Book Day, which is May 6th this year, first Saturday in May. Go to your local comic book store or our store uh, and pick up your free comics. Have people hand you stuff, buy it, go out, read it, enjoy. So for my partner, Sebastian, this is Chris saying we'll see you and talk to you next week.